Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. This week we're back to three a three-man podcast. My name is Ben Jackson, I'll be your host once again and always joined by Joris and Scott. Joris and Scott, how are you guys doing this evening? Hey guys, how are you? Do you know what I've been doing the last few days? I've been having great fun testing the Pro League's new app. It's not live yet to freely download. Uh, we'll let you know when it is, but I've been playing around with the, kind of the video interface on that and checking it for all sorts of cock-ups and things like that and making sure it's, it's, it's ready to go, doing our little bit. So it's, it's looking good, it's looking sexy, and it should be available soon. But we're not sponsored by the Pro League yet. No, no, <laughs> but, we're just we're just helping them out, you know. Got to be done. But, <laughs> but it's also a thing that I that I still have on my to do list for in the upcoming days because I also well I, I still have to download everything, but I I am I could be testing it and I should be testing it soon. Did we have a good advertisement of the league this uh, this weekend, guys? <laughs> no, I think I think we did, and yeah, hopefully, yeah, when the apps release, it's just. It's moving the the league on, isn't it? I mean, it's you, every league kind of has an app and stuff like that now. As long as they add like a fantasy football feature to it, I'll be quite happy. Even though my team did absolutely dreadfully this weekend, let's kind of go over the scores from the weekend before we dive into the matches uh, on Friday night. Let's start. We started with sorry Union hosting Charleroi. They won that one one goal to nil. Uh, Circle of Rouge beat a really poor Anderlecht side one nil. Leuven won again this time they won 2-0 again clean sheet two goals kind of a little theme they've got going Oostend managed to beat Mechelen two goals to one Ghent and St. Trudin drew one apiece Genk beat Standard three goals to one Urpen surprised Club Bruges with a 2-1 win Salang lost 1-0 at home to Kortrijk and Antwerp beat Zoltavaragem 1-0 at home Let's start with the Union game. Great atmosphere, as usual, down in the Stadios of Marien. Unfortunately, that won't be the one they get to use for the European game coming up this week, which is such a shame because there's just something about that stadium. You just feel like if you played a European game there, it'd feel like one of those old school kind of European fixtures, but at last they're going to be playing in Leuven. And they kind of brought the energy and the excitement that they usually do. I know Will Downing on commentary said it, it was kind of a different performance. And I think that's because teams realise that you kind of do just have to sit back against a side like Union and make them try and break you down, um, which is what Charleroi did. I personally felt Charleroi really struggled doing that as a tactic because I just didn't see any way of them getting themselves up the pitch because Badgy just wasn't holding the ball up. Zari, he's not a hold-up striker. He couldn't hold the ball up. So... They'd clear their lines or try and play out from the back. Playing out from the back, no one held the ball up. They lost it. Clearing their lines, no one was holding it up. So both sides actually did have chances in the first half. Union had quite a few. Have we went in at half-time, nil-nil. And the man who broke the deadlock is was a bit of a surprise. And I think it was one of those moments where you're like, what is that man doing there? Uh, it was big, big Ross Sykes because he is pretty big. The man <laughs> recently signed from Accrington, Stanley, Played a really, really nice kind of one-two down the wing and just continued his run, ended up in the box and it was a ridiculously good finish for a centre-back on his home debut. Celebrated in style. You could tell he absolutely loved that one. Union definitely could have added to it. However, Charleroi did start to make a little bit of an inroad. Um, even just slightly before that, Marke Ilemarita had a really decent shot from the edge of the area. But they just didn't quite have the potency up front to worry Union and Maurice in goal. 
We saw a debut for Ahmed Nadir Benboali, uh, the man that was recently signed from Algeria. Looks a little bit lively. We didn't really get many chances. They chucked on Mbenza, Golizadze, Hermans, but they just couldn't find a way past the Union defence. So Union get up and running at home with a 1-0 win. Charleroi, I think what I kind of thought about them before the season, the fact that they need a striker, they've said they're not going to sign one now, um, but I do think they need someone that can hold the ball up a little bit more to bring their players into play. Guys, what did you think of this one? Were you impressed with Union and their slightly different look to what we saw from them last season? I think it was much more like their, their old selves, as we can as we can call them that. I mean, I did expect them to be improved this week, um, play, playing at home, you know, playing in the front foot, as, as they always do at the Marion. And yeah, it was it was pretty decent stuff from them all round, uh, particularly after they went in front. Really impressed with Big Rossi Sykes, actually, even before his goal. He, he's looking like a really nice um, addition for Union and a player who definitely should have been playing at a higher level than the one he was playing at. He looks like his reading of the game and his, his composure and his communication looks absolutely first rate to me and he's he's got a pretty good physical presence. So I, th- I think he's going to be a great addition and that goal will do his confidence um, the world of good. Great, great run, great run. And, you know, as you were saying at the time, Ben, you know, what the fuck is he doing there? You know, it's, it, was just, it was just unbelievable about to see him popping up there. It's really interesting to me what, what's happening up front with Union at the moment. Obviously, the main issue, which we've always known, is always going to be who is Dante Van Zier's new partner going to be. Uh, match day one, Dante was partnered with Eckhart Ienza, who, who did okay. Uh, he's been carrying a little knock, I think. Simon Adingra started against Charleroi and didn't do quite as well as he did the previous week against St Truden. I mean, didn't expect him to uh, be able to reproduce that superb goal that he did in, on, on match day one. But um, it was interesting that they chose to, to put him up front and it'll be interesting to see if he starts with with Van Zier against against Rangers this week. Um, big call there for Carol Gearers to make. But I think Union are looking pretty decent and uh, there's a number of signings they've made in, in the last few days and there's another one coming in. Looks like uh, Victor Boniface, Nigerian striker from Bodo Glumped. Looks like he's definitely coming in. So I, I, I think they're, 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 they're tooling up. It's getting a bit more intensive for them and those people who thought that you know they were maybe gonna um go on a downer um i, I don't think that's gonna happen at all actually it, i think it was a bit more realistic but maybe it was also a bit more realistic from Charleroi against union that that's that's the thing we will probably discover over the course of the season uh, indeed i do think teams will be less uh, naive in going against union the things i wanted to highlight of this game were that both goalies had a good game even though Charleroi did create less Maurice still had a really good save on that shot from Eli Marita from distance. And Kofi, um, well, once he got the ball out of Adingra's feet and another time, well, he, he put a free kick uh, on the bar in the second half. Decent performance from Union Charleroi. I think they did quite okay defensively. Although if you look at our stats, I was surprised when I looked them up later on that Union really had more chances than I thought. But... Uh, maybe they kept them um, well away from goal, uh, so that chances came came from more difficult angles. Except, yeah, the one time, uh, and I well, you guys already praised the, uh, the run and the finish from Sykes uh, already. Um, I guess he's pretty psyched now. Ha-ha. <laughs> You've been <laughs> all day. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, coffee, coffee being my man of the match, despite. Uh, 
losing. Not a good sign, but I don't think Char- it was not that a worrying performance from Charleroi either. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And yeah, the coffee one on, on Odinga when he came out, that was such a good tackle save. I don't even know how to describe those ones. But yeah, he kind of like flew out of his box. So often you see that a penalty being given there, but he just mu- timed it to absolute perfection to get the ball. Um, so yeah, he was... I'm a big coffee fan. Everyone knows that who listens to this podcast. So I'm always happy to praise the man when he has a good performance. And he definitely had a, a good performance. There was nothing he could really do uh, with Sykes' goal. And yeah, as you said, Scott, he had a really good performance at the back. And I was really impressed with him stepping up from the kind of lower levels of English football to play at the top level of Belgium. He didn't really look that out of place. So excited to see what he does going forward. Uh, let's move on to this Saturday, which saw Anderlecht travel to Bruges to play Circle of Bruges. And they just put an absolute stinker in this one. Uh, Circler, I only managed to catch the highlights, but it's basically first half all Circler, creating chances. Van Kronberger forced into a lot of saves. And I feel like without him, it could have been a much worse kind of situation for Anderlecht. And it kind of summed up in the 35th minute when uh, Abdul Razak gets sent off um, via VAR check that saw him kind of pushing someone off the ball from a free kick, which... There seemed to be a lot of free kicks on the edge of the box that Anderlecht were giving away. And defensively, they just looked a little bit all over the place, which was, yeah, would be a little bit concerning to see, considering that there's no one that can really come in at centre-back to kind of change that. It's like the three they have at the moment are the three they're going to have. I know that Mazu said he's when Kana comes back, he's potentially going to put him at centre-back to kind of give just basically give them another option. But at the moment, it is Dacroix Hoot and to Debas, so it's kind of they need to sort it out between them. However, they did go in at halftime at nil-nil. Um, so they had kind of a chance to get back out there and put in a better performance, I guess, but it just didn't really seem to happen for them. Amuza had a pretty decent chance, I think it was at the back post, which he didn't convert. And they got somehow conceded caught on the break when I'm pretty sure when I watched this one back, they have more men back than Circa do in an attack, but Louis Torres, it was the man on his debut who just went an absolute mad run. Ross Sykes style, I guess you could say now, maybe he's going to become a trademark thing. He powers down left-hand side, plays it out wide before making a break into the middle. Uh, Ball comes back across him after some absolutely horrific defending from, I think it was Delcourt, I can't quite remember, who just basically runs past the ball, uh, just completely misses the ball. Ball gets played back across to Tolles, who sweeps it home. Circle fans went absolutely mad. They win this one, one goal to nil. And Scott and yours, I think they pretty much deserve to win this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, the Anrichts, yeah, to sum it up, I guess it's a break, a stat at the break, but they had an XG of, well, literally zero. I don't think I've ever seen that. So they didn't <laughs> take any shot from any distance or that at all. So, uh, yeah, then it's difficult to go ahead, of course. Yeah, Circle were playing well. I didn't completely watch this game, so uh, uh, Scott will be able to tell a bit more, actually. It, this was a really bad performance from Anderlecht throughout and a, and a decent one from Circle uh, that probably should have scored uh, a few more. Okay, they did score one more, which was chopped off for an unknown reason, which I think it should have been chopped off for offside anyway, but that's not what the check was, VAR check was about. So I think the VAR team and the referee team escaped there. The only only chance for Anderlecht indeed, or the only big chance for Anderlecht was uh, the Amuzu miss indeed, which was quite comical, just more in the way of he kind of mistimed the ball um, and, and, and goes for a header. 
well, I guess the ball made a makes a weird curve. It's he anticipated for a header, and if he would not have tried with a head, he probably just had to put it in. It hits uh, the bar indeed, and uh, a bit of comical uh, miss there, but also, well, it would not have been deserved. The defending on the goal was indeed, well, n- not great. In <laughs> that's uh, that's an understatement, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I think the whole defense was not looking great there. Anyway, the the one thing also, yeah, for, from Mazu after it's already, he's the he's already putting it on the players, which is not really a, not on the system, which is not necessarily a good sign already. If you already, well, mm. as a manager, put your pressure all uh, on the on the players, that this is not going to gain him some popularity in in that group, I I suppose. But um, we'll see how that develops, of course. But uh, the, the, as we all know, the pressure is really high. Last thing on Anderlecht, I, I think I will come back on some circular things later on. But um, for now, I'm focusing on Anderlecht. About Abdul Razak, the red card, I think it was a bit... He did have a nightmare of a game, apparently. And also last week, he was not, he was not great. So he's definitely not having a, a great start. But the reason why he got the red card in the end, I'm not sure if that's really worth a red card. We got a lot of red cards this uh, this weekend, and I believe this was the first one of them. So it definitely deserves a mention. But I'm, I'm not sure if this one was deserved as a straight red card. It's interesting, isn't it, guys? Because, you know, Joris was talking about, you know, Mazu kind of, you know, putting the responsibility of that performance onto the players and in a way challenging them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because... You know what you're going to get playing circle at the moment. You know what I mean? You know there's going to be a high press. It's going to be high intensity. There's going to be high turnovers. You know, you have to really be on your toes against circle. And like actually one of the problems I think was they started incredibly slowly in this game and were off it right from the start. And I, I, I do think a lot of those players do need to have a look at themselves and, and their attitude and their approach. I don't know whether they're struggling to adapt to, to Mazu's system. And I think there's part of that because, as we know, and me and Joris were talking about this last week, there's definitely a slight tension between what the Anderlecht fans expect and what they would like to see in their side and the way that the team are playing at the moment. There's a gap there and players are not really responding that positively, I don't think. And that's that, that that's a bit of a worry. And they were just absolutely turgid this weekend. It was It was a really, really poor performance. I mean effectively no shots on target as Joris was saying earlier over 90 minutes you know and and I I did expect some kind of improvement in the second half because they were that poor in the first half but if anything they were worse in the second half which was uh, strange and and I I thought they were very unlucky not to go in two down at half time the goal that was chopped off I still don't really think there was anything wrong with Um, I know Joris was pointing out a an offside issue somewhere. I think I think Circle will, you know, it matters less to them now because they did justifiably win the game in the end. But Anderlecht, I, you know, just just worry me a bit at the moment. It's fine to to tweak systems and things like that, but they have a big European game coming up this weekend, which we'll talk about this week rather. And the way they're playing at the moment just just gives me a lot of fear for them. Kind of kind of going into that. Circle, on the other hand, excellent. Looked looked like the Circle at the tail end of last season and did everything that they didn't do on match day one. Dominic Talhammer was talking about how he, he'd been disappointed against Westerlo on match day one because he thought his players were looked a little bit too too frightened to, to attack Westerlo. Well, my word, they, they'd obviously had a word about that because they really had a go at Anderlecht. And interestingly, we had one of those brilliant stat-bursting 
stats this weekend where that that's suddenly the that's the first time Circle have beaten Anderlecht back to back since nineteen forty three, which is an absolutely cracking stat. Um, so that's one worth repeating. Definitely, and uh, uh, well, from Circle's side, well, Ben already mentioned it uh, a little, but I also want to give a little shout to uh, Louis Torres, uh, who on his professional starting debut scored a goal of course not his main task as a left back but uh, yeah he, he also really looked uh, yeah really really happy before in front of the of the camera software as you as you would expect of course uh, after that so yeah it's, it's in his starting debut he, he got seven minutes last week so it's not his complete debut full debut yeah not something you expect when you're a left back like you said yours on your debut um but nice way to top it off for him clean sheet and a goal i'm sure he'll be Pretty happy with that one. Mention Vestalo. Let's go to them now in their game against Leuven. Leuven, who we were all pretty concerned about pre-season. Probably listened and were like, now nah, we'll preview one. We don't need a striker because we can still <laughs> still score goals and we'll just score two every game. That's all we're going to do. So Jon Dagger, Paul Steinson gets the opening one in this one. Really nice play down the right-hand side from Leuven. Cross comes in as I think it falls to Al Tamari. Uh, he's a Pretty decent shot, which is well saved by Sinan Bollat. However, Paul Steinson's there to tap in the rebound. Well, tap in, it's a difficult angle. He makes it look a little bit easy. So that puts Leuven 1-0 up. Vesla had so many shots in this game, but didn't get any of them on target, uh, according to the stats I saw. 13 shots, zero on target. Like That's just crazy, crazy numbers. Leuven, on the other hand, had five shots on target, so they did actually manage to challenge Sinan Bollat in goal. They made the game pretty much safe when uh, Peddy Chitsi was sent off in the 74th minute and then Rafa Holzhauser, who else, from the penalty spot in the 77th minute, finishes the game off. 2-0 to Leuven, clean sheet, another win. It's just been a really, really good start for Mark Beers' side. And yeah, I guess, have you guys been impressed with kind of how Holzhauser's adapted in? I haven't seen much of him, so I'm not too sure what their style of play has been at the moment. But it's been interesting to see the lineups um, that he's been putting out with Casper like Denor apparently playing more centrally and then Insingi up front. So yeah, a little bit on them. And then I guess for Veselo, they will be disappointed that they won't manage to get any of the shots that they had on target as well. And they had a lot of possession. So they'll be frustrated, I'm sure. But it's probably nicer this way in the sense that they got the win last week. They're off the board. You want to start, you want to get that first win under your belt as a newly promoted side. And they'll probably look at this one as just, oh, we just need to be a little bit more efficient. I've been really impressed, guys, actually. No, not so much with the way Leuven are playing, but the way that they've they've put the work in on, on pre-season, actually. That's something I want to highlight. I mean, I, I didn't expect them to have this kind of start, actually, which tells me that... Me and Joris were emphasising a lot last week that we felt there were a number of sides that uh, weren't quite ready for the start of the season yet. You know, some sides start slower than others, but, you know, because the season is starting earlier, that presents different challenges as well in relation to both fitness and, and performance levels and, and recruitment as well. And Leuven, as we know, are one of those sides who, who we've highlighted a number of times as, as having had a couple of really, really bad uh, transfer windows 
which I think they were aware of. So, you know, we were kind of slightly split, weren't we, guys, when we were talking about how we felt about their recruitment, about whether it was good enough or not, and where they were still missing in some places. And I think what we're finding out now is that the recruitment not only has generally been pretty decent, but that their their, their fitness and uh, their tactical readiness for the start of the season has absolutely been spot on, really. You know, I, I, I think they they will be delighted with the start. Uh, and I take my hat off to Mark Bryce again. I think he is one of... He's one of those coaches in the Pro League who, who never really seems to get the credit that I think he deserves. I, I think he knows absolutely what he's doing sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to get there than than you would imagine but he's uh, he sticks he sticks to his guns as well which i think is important and i've just been impressed by yeah the work they've done in pre-season and they've gone in and they've went you know what it's really really important we have a good start here because as we know this season's going to be different to unlike any other and i think there's this feeling that you know the the early part of the season is maybe going to be much more important uh, for a lot of sides this season and it has in, in, in other seasons because who knows what state players are going to come back in from the World Cup and what the second half of the season is going to be like injury like for for all sorts of teams. So yeah, Leuven, Leuven are showing lots of teams at the moment, you know, how to how to do it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to hold, hold, uh, hold my hi- uh, hands up high just yet, but well, they are definitely. I did not expect them to indeed already well actually be leading the lead the league, even if it's really early days, of course, and uh, they're not alone in so. I am very surprised, not necessarily in the attack, but actually that they got two clean sheets with a defense which we would not necessarily rate highly, but with play things in it, and, and whether Raogo was also been there for a while. And then a youngster in Patris, well, well, there we still need a bit to discover his qualities and he looks good. On the other hand, yeah, going already to Westerloden, they are on the other, missing firepower this week. Last week it looked a bit better. This week they might actually need to recruit something in attack still. 150th game for Leuven for uh, Maartes. So that, that was a nice one. He just almost finished it off uh, with a, another goal, but... Uh, he did, uh, in the end, uh, Bolat had a save there. This time it took Leuven also only two games to get two wins uh, in comparison to last season where it took them 12 games to get to two wins. They're definitely off to a good start. Another funny moment then in another game was then Perikizi, the, the, the penalty giveaway. It, it was a bit of a silly watch, at least. <laughs> uh, well, that, that we're falling with, yeah, f- falling on the floor and then trying to grab the ball and actually grabbing the ball with, with your two hands. It doesn't look great. It is, of course, not a great action either, although harmless compliments to Brest, who all, indeed always actually having his team ready, despite, indeed, last season, the wind's not flowing in uh, so quickly. But they, physically, they're always ready, and that, that seems to be paying off early uh, in the season already. I mean, I think I'm still... Yeah, I'm still kind of on that. Like you said, you're just like, not ready to kind of go back on my prediction for them just yet. I want to see some. I want to see how long they can kind of keep this up with the squad they've got because they definitely need some players. Yeah, on Louis Patris, as you guys have spoken about last week, getting those kind of those two assists, and it was him that passed the ball to Altamari for the first one. And if that shot had gone in, he'd have been going to Holzhausen, mate, and being like, "Look, mate, I'm the I'm the king of the assists in Leuven at the moment, like from centre back. I'm the one. I'm the one providing. We need have had three, and it'd be on absolute dreamland. So, yeah, definitely been impressed with him." kind of going forward as well as in the, kind of defensively. But I know what you mean about that back three is one that if you looked at on paper, you'd be a bit a bit concerned about. So fair play to them for having two clean sheets. And maybe Beers is the man that can kind of help take Plenix to the next level and kind of 
unlock the kind of the potential that people saw in him back when he was playing youth uh, youth football for the Belgian national team and captaining sides and stuff like that. Let's move on to the game that kicked off at the same time as this, which was down on the coast on a beautiful sunny day, East End against Mechelen. Almost a similar story in the sense to the Leuven Vesso game in terms of the statistics for this one. I mean, Mechelen had ridiculous amounts of possession, almost 70% to East End 30. Didn't win the game, though. They lost this one too, when, as I said before, opening goal was a really, really nice pass through. Um, I can't remember who played it through to David Atanga. I think it might have been Nick Betzner. A really, really nice through ball to David Atanga. He... He was given offside initially, but he didn't know that at the time. So he ran through, puts it away. Really nice finish from him, uh, which I believe is his first goal for East End. It must have been because he barely played last year, but he kind of got the game underway. VAR check, just onside. It was marginal. Uh, the lines were being drawn and he got the goal. And he looks absolutely delighted with himself. They were then completely indebted to Hubert in goal, who made a string of really, really good saves to keep uh, East End ahead. A double save, in fact, at one point uh, to keep Mechelen out. I mean, Mechelen ended this game with like 19 shots, seven on target. Ridiculous, ridiculous amount of shots in that. However, they then went two down. I think it was Betzner again to Atanga for this one. And he put it away after it was kind of cut back across to him in the middle of the box. A much easier finish than his first one. His first one was a really good finish. This one's a little bit easier. But he kind of grabs the two goals going into half time. However, Alessandro Albanese decides to make it a little bit more interesting with a pretty horrific tackle on Nicholas Storm. Completely pointless part of the pitch to do it in. It just was a stupid, stupid tackle. He gets the straight red for that. However, Mecklen could only manage to pull one back through Thibaut Pierre in the 75th minute. And then Hubert was making a string of fine saves once again to keep it at 2-1 and Usten get a win. Massive, massive win for them, considering we all expect them to struggle a fair amount this season. Scott Mecklen, on the other hand, two games now you've seen under the new man, Danny Boyce. What are your kind of overriding feelings without overreacting after two games? <laughs> if that's possible. I, I, think, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point to make, Ben, I think because I think there are some people in social media and the Mecklen fan community that are overreacting, as you would expect, you know, fans being very emotive. I think clearly they've had a really bad start. I, I, I think defensively there are some issues there. I think there are players who, particularly this weekend, didn't show any leadership or take any responsibility at all, actually. And there were, there were points, particularly in the first half, where they were absolutely all over the place. At sea, you might say, uh, literally as well as metaphorically, um, seeing as the Diaz Arena is on a five-minute walk away from the beach in Ustend. I think it's 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 difficult, this, because I think the squad is quite good, and I was particularly pleased to see uh, Ungui back in this weekend. That was something I was uh, moaning a little bit about to, to, to Yoris on, on March Day 1, disappointed that he didn't start, but he was back in, which I thought was a good thing. I just, you know, they didn't start the game well, you know, they allowed Ustend to, to get on top of them, to press them, and to just kind of steamroll them. Uh, Nicholas Storm looked a pretty isolated and frustrated figure. He looked reasonably up for it, but, you know, the body language told me that, you know, things just weren't clicking and he was he was getting irritated and expressing that kind of quite clearly, I think. Really interesting to hear Dan Boyce actually say after match day one that they did not defend well. So I expected them to be better 
this week, and clearly nobody got that memo because actually they were they were worse. The very things he highlighted were were you know were noticeably worse. I think they were much better uh, in the last twenty five minutes where they had a really really good goal um, and nearly managed to get something out of the game. As you were saying, Uber had a, a particularly good save. Um, late on that stopped Mecklen from from managing to get a point in the end, but you know performances like that are not performances where you're you're, you're going to get anything, and I, I I think it's a hard one. I think they're still adjusting to kind of tweaks and trying to find the right balance. Uh, there's a few players who I don't think are doing enough at the moment, so it'll be really interesting to see how they do over the next couple of weeks. Because I, I certainly didn't expect them to start as badly as they as they have this season. Yeah, it looks a bit like the reverse of what you were hoping for. You and all Michael fans that were yeah, hoping for has happened. Yeah. Like the defense is not shored up yet, and the attack. Well, unfortunately, it's also a bit less than last season. That might still change, of course. Uh, but in the in the first weeks of the season, they they look a bit more more toothless, I guess, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, as a saying, uh, than last season. Anyway, yeah. uh, I think you know what I get. What I'm uh, know what I'm getting at. I think it's a balance, isn't it? Uh, you know, I think the, the to me the balance isn't right at the moment. And I I expressed some concerns last week about Ngoy playing up front in his own and whether that was going to work long term. And I still kind of feel that way, but. Yeah, it's it's definitely the the overall balance needs work still. I don't have that much because I unfortunately missed this game. But uh, yeah, um, to to add to Ben, indeed, uh, it were Atanga's two first league goals first, and he had uh, also uh, he only scored doubles though because last season he had a. Uh, he scored twice in the, in a cup game as well, um, but that are his four only goals uh, so far. But uh, that's also still a worry for for us, for, from us for Ostende. Indeed, who is going to score the goals? If Atanga will provide them, I think they will be happy. But despite that, they might also like like many teams. Uh, as I'm seeing here a trend here, many teams might need some attacking reinforcements still. And this, uh, I'm 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 sure they are glad to to, to get a win this early on in the season at least. Uh, to not have completely missed their starts. Yeah, no, if, with East End, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because like Mahta Gay is just on the bench and we've always thought he oh, is their He best also striker. had the most ridiculous but... offside goal <laughs> as well, though, on the counter. <laughs> so how, to give, I, I seem to be highlighting comical effects this season as well. Then, but uh, yeah, he was offside on a on a counter attack where, where I think it was, in the, it was in the final minutes where Kuka was also going up front uh, and he put the ball in the back of the net, but from from way out but unfortunately he was already offside and yeah to, to be offside <laughs> on such ball that's a bit of a yeah. silly silly move uh, and, uh, yeah a rookie mistake uh, I would say yeah he also he had a chance earlier before that I think didn't he again similar situation where he was onside just had to square it to Indica and he took a terrible shot yeah I think that yeah. I think that was after and that that he wanted to score his goal <laughs> there and like he was like no I will I wanted my goal but yeah that was, it was not there well if it's the same situation it was not a terrible terrible shot but yeah not not a good one, and yeah, it could have been a bigger chance of success if he would have passed it. Obviously, I think from a Nusten perspective as well, they'll be hoping that Fraser Hornby can make a real impact. Obviously, mm. he hasn't he hasn't played yet; he's just come in. But I think that will be the the hope and expectation that that he can add some some real firepower to them, and we'll we'll, we'll see if that's the case. Yeah, alongside him, they signed Dylan Phillips, didn't they? Uh, the goalkeeper from Cardiff. But if Huber's going to play like that. He's going to have to wait a little bit of time before he becomes the number one because that was a really impressive performance from a goalkeeper that hasn't been great in the past and someone I know 
quite a few of us have been like they need a goalkeeper because of some of his performances so interesting situation there in between the sticks we'll see when we see Phillips and yeah Fraser Hornby as well it's gonna be interesting to see if he can provide the goals and if that clears the way for them to let Maktar Gabe leave because I'm I'm pretty sure he probably does want to at this moment in time. Let's go to Ghent for the evening game. Slightly overshadowed by a really awful injury to Tarek Tisudali, which is going to keep him out of the World Cup and out of the out the Ghent side for a couple of months and ruined kind of any chance of a transfer that he had. But we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards because let's focus on the game to begin with. And it was the man they signed in the summer who opened the scoring Hugo Kuipers. Uh, benefiting from some pretty poor play from St. Tudor on the edge of the box. They'd won it back and then they just kind of gave it away and just outside the area. Ball kind of ricochets through to Kuipers, who made a really, really nice finish. Um, St. Tudor did push. Koita had a decent free-kick effort. Then into the second half, there were a couple of other chances. Finishing off the first half, when Tisudali went off, Lamite came on. He had a really decent-headed opportunity. I think it was from a Kumu pass, just kind of from his own half, just launched it into the box. Lamajic running on, uh, heads it against the... It stayed at 1-0 for quite a while until the 80th minute and just awful goalkeeper from Davy Roof coming for a corner he never was going to get. <laughs> just came at game almost like outside the area he was coming that far out and Daichi Hayashi got his second of the season to make it one apiece. And Centuna kind of starting the same way as last year in the set, not last year, it's the kind of back end of last year where they're just, they're a difficult team to play against. And if you don't put them away, they just stick in games and then they can do stuff like this when they'll grab kind of late equalizers and benefit from kind of your sort of mistakes. Let's kind of revisit, let's go back to the Tisu Dali injury. We've always said, Ghent kind of go as Tisu Dali goes. And I don't know, guys, are you, like, what, where do we think they're going to go from this? Because, like, obviously, Lamaik is the player that, will kind of fit into there. But at the same time, he is nowhere near the same player as Tisha Dali. He's like the complete opposite. Do you think they'll go with him or do you think actually they'll let Heisenberg will go, you know what, let's just stick Fafana in. Let's stick someone in a little bit more of a, a wing player like Tisu Dali. Honestly, I, I have no idea. And I've been thinking about this a little bit today. And it's a tricky one because Lamayic is, is not somebody who I'm convinced can play regularly up top with, with Kuipers. I think they're, they're, they're too similar in, in, in certain ways. And, you know, the, yeah, the fit, the fit's not quite right. Obviously, Depoitra is, is an option. And I personally be surprised if Kuipers and Depoitra was not, was not the initial go-to option. But, uh, th- this is going to potentially completely change the complexion of their season, of course, you know, such an important player, you know, um, going down like that. And obviously this is the second week in a row where, you know, we- we've had one of the, you know, the top talents in the league succumbing to, you know, one of the worst injuries that you can, you, you-, you can get, obviously, which is just, you know, it's just, dreadful to see that you know and we wish we wish Tarek well yeah a lot for Van Heisenbroek to to, to to mull over there I think so um we'll, we'll see what he goes with yeah indeed I also don't have a clear image of what what is going on in their minds that's good that you mentioned Fofana though uh, I've mentioned him a few times last season already I think uh, but he also actually made his league debut he also had a few minutes in a super cup already it was just a very short uh, eight minutes debut of course so not much to say about it yet but uh, he did get his first minutes Tisodali yeah I guess you guys all, all said it all like I I'm feel mostly gutted for the player because well it did look like he was, all well, the rumors were there that he would actually be going out 
and that he would make uh, well a move we don't necessarily would like to see, but um, a money move. So for him personally, that's uh, even potentially the worst timing. Oh, and and of course also uh, yeah missing the World Cup because of that um, right at the moment that he really got into the uh, playing squad in in uh, in Morocco and even was one of their uh, most important players in the, in the recent campaign. Uh, so yeah, I uh, wish him a good recovery as well. About the game, first goal of Carapaz, you mentioned it, Roof getting a howler <laughs> against him in, uh, to concede that goal. That's uh, was not the first, it uh, was the first goalkeeper, but not the last one to to have uh, to go under across the, in in this weekend. We will touch on the next uh, on the other one uh, as well later on. It seems to be the Anderlecht problems uh, is going moving a bit to towards uh, Gent in the Anderlecht problem. Yeah, I'm, in this case, I mean, well, so I mean, maybe an Anderlecht problem is moving to Gent. They twice got an equalizer in the last ten minutes, so uh, uh, that hopefully that doesn't uh, go play in their heads uh, either. I do I personally think they probably should get someone because just because of the options that there are. Tupatra, yes, he, he, he definitely can play uh, still, but can he play as much as they want? Okay, you can switch him maybe with Fofana. It, it, they, they have to they have to see how they balance all all that I think, but they, they could use another um, yeah direct replacement definitely as well because I'm not sure if they can rely on the Patre for really being the creative player either that part of Tisudali's game. I'm not sure how they are really going to cover that. Also with an aging Vadis, uh, who's also again injured at the moment, uh, will come back into the fold uh, soon, hopefully. All kinds of things we touched on in our previous episodes, basically. I do think they, they, they really drop a few ranks in my prediction ranking just because of the this injury. Then on Sintrade, so yeah, they, they got another goal from Haashi, another header from Haashi uh, to get them that point. Second point in a row. They didn't win yet, but um, so they, maybe they have taken over the early our, our early contenders to take over the role of uh, Leuven last season. But uh, they are they're also difficult to beat. Um, that's now an eleven games unbeaten run. If we take the games from last and back end of last season in it as well, so um, indeed definitely a difficult team to beat. Yeah, they're doing well there, and with, given the given the opponents that they had the, as well, this the the, the first two weeks. It's not it's not a mean feat necessarily to not lose uh, one of those games. Um, yeah, they probably would have hoped for a win, some of them, but um, I, I think they'll happily take these two points um, if they indeed get a win soon, of course, as well. Yeah, Joris was mentioning there that run, which if you you know you put the back end of last season on is eleven now. I think they are at the moment. You know, if you take that into account, I think they're only two games away from equaling their all time greatest run which I think is 13 which dates back to the to the mid uh, 60s which, which is incredible and again that just highlights what a brilliant job I think Bernd Hollerbach is doing there again another one a bit like Mark Bryce is just not getting enough credit for I think the job he's doing there and with a very very modest injection into the squad because they've they, they've had you know quite a quiet summer really um, not as active as as I think they probably should have, or or I would like to see them do. Um, there's that side is is as yours was saying really difficult to beat now, and they've found a, a great shape and way of playing that really seems to be working for them. I don't know if anybody spotted as well. Uh, Christian Brule's coming off after only eighteen minutes. He was actually. Um, 
he was actually at a funeral before the game and decided that he wanted to join the squad straight away, uh, which he did. And Hollerbach started him and later admitted that it was a bit of a mistake because his head wasn't in the right place. And that was that was the reason he came off so early, uh, because it clearly wasn't working. I thought that I thought that was interesting. And I, I wonder, because he's such an important player for them, um, is he still going to be there? It looks like he was going. It now looks like he's staying. Yeah, interesting one to keep an eye out for. for yeah. And yeah, well, indeed, he was... Well, for a large part responsible for Hint's goal as well, of course, giving a, he loses the ball um, too easily yeah. at the back. And yeah, that, that's where Kuypers could strike on then. Yeah, I think it shows how important he is to them um, that Hollerback is willing to put in that risk to let him to be like, yeah, well, we will play you. But fair play to recognise that clearly for both player and the team, it's better uh, that he did come off. And hopefully once, yeah, once he's kind of I guess recovered from the the funeral I guess if you can say it like that then hopefully he'll be able to stay because he is such an important player for them and we really do enjoy watching Christian Pools play at his peak let's move on then from that game although I have to say St. Trudens kit I, I feel like I liked it less watching that one uh, the weird kind of checkeredness of it but maybe it'll go on me I was going to say that last week as well it looks I, I, on TV, I thought it on TV, maybe it will look better, but it actually looks worse. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that literally was the same thing. I was like, oh yeah, that is horrid. But I don't know, sometimes like horrid kits in 30 years, they come retro and they become cool. Who knows? Let's go to Genk. And speaking of retro, I think when I first started this podcast, I said that a certain man would be top scorer in the league that year and he proved not to be. But maybe... This year is going to be the year that Cyril Dessas is top scorer in the Pro League. Now I've said this, he's probably going to sign for another club by the time we release this. Well, at least Over... at the time of, as, as a, at the time being, he actually is <laughs> leading to the Pro <laughs> List. So I guess exactly not the bad one for you. <laughs> it works. Uh, he opened the scoring in the game against Standard. Pancel had a really e- nice chance to cross, kind of messed up the first cross, but got it back, fizzed it across the front and. Dessas, yeah, got in front of Deval and flicked it in, uh, which was a nice finish from him. Tressel then made it two goals in the Dragos, then made it to one uh, on the counter-attack with a really, really nice finish after a really, really decent ball from Raskan just over the top of the Genk defence, which Dragos ran on and then curled it in. However, Deval then decided to just completely fluff up a clearance in the box and then it fell to Tressel, who shot handball off the back of Deval. This gave Cyril Dessas another chance from the spot he'd recently missed a penalty just before this. This time he made no mistake, made it 3-1 to Genk. And that was how this one finished. Plenty of yellow cards for Standard in this game. Plenty of just Ronnie Dyler just basically, I think in basketball they called it emptying the bench. And that's exactly what he did. He just was chucking everyone on to see if anything could make a difference. The defence is just, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but the centre-back pairing of Lifeis and Doucette, I've just never really felt like it's good enough. I know, Scott, you said that Dyla came out and said that he thinks 95% of this squad isn't good enough. So who's the 5%? Joris, I'm sure you watched this game. Um, I'll let you speak about Genk, but we'll start with Standard. Could you name, who is the 5% of this squad that he does think is good enough? And I mean, they had a baffling performance against Genk the week before, 
but this felt a little bit more like what we'd seen from them last year when they were quite poor. Yeah, it's interesting. Ronnie Dial had been talking up Gink quite a lot before this game and, and you know how impressed he'd been from what he'd seen of them last season and, and obviously the intel that he'd he'd been party to this season as well. Yeah, I mean I it did very much the the thing that stuck out to me was uh, immediately after uh, the first goal actually inside the first five minutes, I saw literally the entire team's head went down. The only player whose head didn't go down was Nicholas Raskam who was trying to G everybody up and that, that I thought was a, a terrible indication as to where this game was going because that's not something you want to see at any point in any game and was something we saw week in, week out last season. You know, it, it just tells me that mentally they're, they are a bit fragile. There's no doubt about that, um, which I suppose isn't surprising, but interesting to hear Ronnie Dyla as well in his pre-match press conference talking about how he felt the atmosphere around Slesson and around uh, the training centre was was much happier. Uh, was how he described it, and I thought, okay, right, well, you know, people are enjoying coming into their work and being around each other, and things are feeling more positive. But you know, the your first your first setback so early, and they did start really, really poorly. We should highlight that as well. You know, Genk started really, really strongly and were right down their throat. But it, it just it seems, you know, as you know, you were talking about Lifeus and Dusen there, Ben, it seems like just sometimes when you apply real pressure to standard, they do they do crumble far too easily. And, you know, all those substitutions that came later from Dyla, you know, that's a that's a manager who's frustrated. I mean, looking at that bench, you know, I mean obviously uh, Deval gets pulled off, Lifus gets pulled off, Aaron Donham, who is is one of Dyla's favourites, he's a player he knows very well and a player I expected to kind of do pretty well under uh, under Dyla for various reasons. You know, he, he had a stinker as well, you know, and there was one particular shot of the three of them sitting in the bench together and they did not look like happy boys at all, not just because they'd been substituted, but got to worry when, you know, your, your senior players, your supposed big hitters in the squad aren't taking responsibility and on Raskin again just to come back to him he's in a tricky situation because he he could yet leave and we know that he's waiting to see really how the early days of the new regime pan out before he makes a decision about his own longer term future and they simply cannot afford I don't think to really lose a player like that because he does have some quality but a lot for Ronnie Dyla to ponder because that'll be his own first first taste of of some of the the issues that that, that that have been hanging over over them from 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 last season as well Donim was really really very bad uh, I don't yeah. I'm not sure if he actually had any high intensity run uh, to to name a very important thing if you're already not in a game as well uh, like the yeah, there would he, he, he was not showing up completely. <laughs> Definitely a, a thing to do. And yeah, there's a point also. <laughs> I think he only has one year left on his contract. I, I feel like, well, he rejected two new proposals for a new contract at, at the time being. And he's in, if he is indeed waiting, well, uh, yeah, it, it's a tricky situation indeed uh, for them. But okay, uh, as you would expect, I mostly uh, want to focus on my own team, uh, especially after a very hectic week in its own way, uh, with, with yeah, the Oyer injury being confirmed. Uh, well, okay, we spoke about that last week already, but uh, it's still the league game after that. And yeah, also the unfortunate, quite soon the arranged transfer from uh, Unia Ito to Reims. 
so there was no uh, the transfer happens, of course. That's the, that's another thing. But of course, uh, they did not get a replacement uh, yet for this game, so it, it was a very tricky one. Also with with the desert rumors, like it it was at, at some point looking like uh, a complete new at, uh, attacking trio needed to to start in, uh, in comparison to last week's game. Well, they they did really do a really good job. Uh, I'm, of course, more more than delighted, most delighted uh, with. Uh, El Canus, who got his um, yeah, also his first start um, in uh, in the league, and uh, he performed really well. Maybe looking a bit uh, and forgiving a lot of things in in being in being a youngster, but he actually only missed one pass uh, during the whole game, and it was not that he only gave the easy passes. Um, yeah, really, a lot of line breaking passes and also uh, long passes and. Yeah, Missing only one was really great. He also opened up the standard defense for the first goal. Um, also could have had the assist for the second goal, although maybe that would not have been um, a goal if uh, Dessers would not have blocked the shot, initial shot from Trezor, which then, well, with some luck, uh, f- uh, well, both was not offside from Dessers and fell to towards the Genk players. Well, with some luck, maybe indeed th- there was a lot of pressure. Uh, it... it it really gives the vibes uh, so far. Tanger or Franken, very, very early days. Like the season he, as a player, had uh, in uh, 2006-2007, where uh, Genk always started furiously and often were 3-0 up by the 20th minute uh, and, well, often could see the game out. Uh, this happened more than once. I'm, I'm, uh, that is yeah, probably still a bit over-romanticized over time, but it definitely happened a few times. I'm really liking the new look. Uh, also, also actually that he didn't look for excuses or anything in the week that I like. I like I just um, yeah mentioned that he probably had some things to say, uh, some excuses he could have called on, uh, but but just dropped in Elkanus uh, and straight on the ten position as well. So really good. Um, so he had basically pre-assist for the first two goals. Uh, Elkanus. I'm really liking the look because of indeed starting furiously, having putting a lot of pressure on the ball, and you can also see it's not it's not a, a wild pressure, not just a one player chasing, but the whole team knows what to do already, uh, which is impressive. Of course, very early days, also for the positive things, it's, it's difficult to say if they will last, but it, it, comp- you can already see, like I already mentioned last week as well, like what that the trainer manager is uh, trying to do. You can also still see that after a little while, um, they, they can't keep up on, with this pressure. In that sense, I, I do did like the second half performance a little. They, they didn't really lose the control of the game, but um, even though losing it, uh, losing the, the reins a little, in general kept the game in quite, quite um, well, played it out in a controlled way. So saw the game out. Even could have scored a few more, hitting the, uh, the post twice. But um, so far, I'm, I'm I'm really happy, especially yeah, with with the performances. Not necessarily only the result, but the performances that they're putting in. And um, I did not expect that before the season. And and I'm, I know I'm not the only one for sure. Uh, then to get back to Standard, it, it was a bit of a surprise to to see Voljevic uh, getting some game time because last season he didn't feature at all, literally zero minutes in the league uh, after. Uh, half a season loan out before that already to open as well. Uh, yeah, so that that should show that that Dyla really still is not happy with everyone he has at the club. Uh, and I actually had forgotten that he was still there even. <laughs> so did I. So did I. I think I saw him on the squad list. He's one of those players on like transfer mark with like no number or something like that. And you're like, yeah, this guy's not going to hang around. 
then suddenly he was on the pitch. Yeah. I was like, well, what is going on? Yeah, like, here, here I'm not completely certain of, but it could even be that he was never even in the squad list last season, which <laughs> makes it even more, imp- well, I don't know, impressive or, or weird or, or yeah, <laughs> strange, I guess. I mean, if that's not Dyla just saying to the owners, like, look, like we need some more players here. I don't know what is. Right, let's move on to Erpen against Club Bruges. Probably the shock of the weekend. Um, I mean, part of this game, there is also a shock and sense of a transfer rumour that came out, I think it was on Monday uh, today as of recording, where it said something about one of the Bruges centre-backs being linked with a move to Germany for 12 million. And I mean, if you watch this game, there's no way that man, bless him, is worth 12 million. The first goal (laughs) for Erpen comes in the first minute um Gary Manny with a header absolutely free in the box and if you just watch the highlights just pause it on one of the replays when the ball comes in and he's literally touching Nsoki on the back he's behind him and he's like tapping him on the back to say look mate I'm here behind you don't bother dropping any deeper to clear the ball just let me have a free run Nsoki being the kind man that he is lets him have it just completely unmarked header Mignolet is absolutely steaming at this point because he's probably thinking, open away, this is going to be a nice, relaxing game. I'll be absolutely fine. Probably forgot that last year it was an absolute belter to open the season. So these two seem to play some good games at the, in the kind of first few weeks. So if the league are listening, just make Erpen play Club Bruges at some point in the first or second game because we get a bit of a belter. Um, however, Club Bruges did get back into the game almost instantly. Uh, Abdul Nuruddin channeling Davy Roof decided to f- absolutely fly out for a corner completely miss it Jack Hendry who'd got the start over Brandon Mekele which was interesting we'll probably get into the the team selection for Club Rouge in a little bit he wins a header knocks it down Farron Utkal is there to get a first goal of the season lovely poachers goal nice finish from him good to see him kind of getting off the mark I know he got a couple of assists last week but good for him to find the back of the net um, looking forward to seeing more of that from him going into the season However, Club Bruges just defensively all over the place. Mignolet was making a lot of saves. And that man, Smail Pravoyak, got the second and decisive goal for Erpen. Um, really nice play from Doom, winning the ball in midfield and just breaking forward. No one shutting him down. Ball into Pravoyak on the edge of the box. Just a first time swivel finish from him. It's just a fantastic finish. Proper instinctive goal. One of those classic ones where the commentator will be, this man knows exactly where the goal is without looking. And that's how it was at half-time too. On to open the shot was on the cards. A couple of changes from Hurfkins in the second half. Uh, Noam Bamba, one of those ones that comes on. He picks up the ball in midfield, goes past Gary Manny, goal scorer, goes from hero to zero, picking up his second yellow card with a needless foul in the central areas. And at that point, you're thinking Club Bruges against 10 men, with the quality they have, they're going to be able to finish this off. But it wasn't the case. Open held on. Nuri made a couple of saves and they won 2-1. Much to the light of Bern Stork on the bench. He was absolutely buzzing. Offerman himself, one of the youngsters that came on, could have made it 3-1 but was offside and it, when he had a decent chance. It's just, an, yeah, guys, an interesting kind of change in lineup from uh, Herfkins in this one. I mean, Belanta came in, which didn't really see coming. Uh, Vorma... He'd already mentioned that Vorma was going to be replaced by Nielsen in that role, that that was an instant switch. But Belanta coming in for Mbamba, I didn't, I don't know if Mbamba had a little knock, but I didn't really get that. I want, we all want Mbamba to play more. He's such an exciting talent. 
Uh, Henji, obviously, as I said, coming in for Mechler, that was quite an interesting one. Uh, Sobel came in as well. He came in for Maya. Again, didn't see that one coming. But on the other hand, for Erpen, they're just, we were worried about them before the season, but kind of the players that they've brought in seem to be doing quite well. I know it's obviously early days. Uh, Van Genechten had a decent game. Christy Davis, Charles Cook, these guys playing really well. Manny, obviously, with the opening goal, one of the players they've had before. Derm, signing last year, didn't get much game time, but had an impact on this one. How shocked were you guys at the, the Bruges performance and kind of the team selection from Herfkins in this one? Well, the team selection was the, the biggest surprise to me, and obviously it didn't work. <laughs> Not just because they lost the game, but I I don't think it worked. I, I didn't really understand the changes that Carl Ofkins made. Um, I don't know whether it was a simple case of uh, he felt like some rotation, he felt like he could, or, or whether there was something more tactical kind of behind it. Only he can really explain that, but it certainly didn't work for them. You mentioned Prevoyak's goal. I thought that was a lovely goal, just a really, really nice goal, real quality, which we know he's got, and you know, Open are gonna gonna need that um, throughout the course of this season. But yeah, I, I just simply didn't understand the changes because I felt it, it interrupted, you know, any flow that they they built up and on on match day one. Well, they didn't really have a flow built up on match day one. They <laughs> they escaped there. That's why they Must were changes. <laughs> that's why there were changes. I, th- I think that's quite obvious, that part. But, well, that it didn't work is also quite obvious because this was very, very much worse. And, um, well, very worrying signs, early signs, of course, for, for Hufkes, uh in, uh, in his squads, maybe. They're, it's, of course, not terrible point-wise yet. They're just in the middle of the pack. Not, uh, But you would expect them to, to win against Erpe, especially it being, as they mentioned in the beginning, uh, the first victory ever for Erpe, so shocked by the result. Yes, definitely playing against 10 men for a while, uh, having eight minutes at a time on, which came out more or less out of nowhere, which reminds us of last season uh, in the reverse fixture, Klubriga Erpe, the first game day uh, last season. Where, where they got even more time uh, added on. But this time, it was more of torture for the Klubrige fans. Um, the, yeah, also, fair play to, to them, to the fans. I heard that they also were condemning that and, well, didn't really want to watch longer because their performance, yeah, it, it was just not great. Urpa looked lively, so that was good to see. Indeed, we don't expect many things from them this season, but this, this was definitely a performance they can try to build on for, for the next weeks and in, in the whole season. The, the new signings seem to adapt well. We'll have to see. I, I think they still are in the danger zone. It's only one result now, of course, but uh, it will definitely give them a confidence boost. What else? Yeah, Nouradine conceding. Erpe winning despite Nouradine and, and Klubrige losing despite Mignolet is also something I, I think you could say. If you would change the goalkeepers, the scoreline would have been way uh, harsher. Mignolet had a good, he was the one Klubrige player who had again had a good game uh, he really picked up his form uh, somewhere around the playoffs last season and he's the, the goalkeeper they desperately need uh, but the, this time it wasn't enough Nuruddin once underneath the cross there with a the goal where it was punished also in the second half there was a cross that was going nowhere and would have gone uh, gone wide anyway that he tried to pick up and just I don't know, he he missed it, well, but not really missed it. Um, he just should have let it go, but he, he touched it and it was a, a, an unnecessary corner. Like, yeah, he, he's not having the, the best of starts of the seasons uh, with, with no harm this time. So, um, 
in in the end, uh, so that, that that he got away with that. And uh, last thing is again back to Kubrige. In comparison to Anderlecht's bad performance here, it were the Kubrige players, uh, Van Aken and Miolet, who are criticizing the system or see, saying that like yeah, we need to find yeah some clarity in the in the field. Um, so they are in not. Not in straight terms, but are ba- basically criticizing uh, Hufkens already and the system they're playing with. We'll have to see. Anyway, there seems to be some. Uh, there will definitely be some uh, talks going on there as well um, as we speak uh, about such things. And uh, they, they, I think, yeah, everyone is really worried about uh, the the level that Liverpool is uh, getting at the beginning of the season. Of course, um, yeah, they the 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 Skatelare sale just got almost finalized now in the Unsoki deal if that comes through they will have a lot of money to spend and uh, I'm, so they, their reinforcements still have to come we don't know what with Lang is going to do so I think maybe also that plays a role as long as the transfer window is open that they, they are not complete yet um, and we'll have to see if they will be ready in time for for well I guess for the Champions League at least and in and building on that, of course, also uh, in the league. Yeah, and I think you kind of put a put a little bit on it there. So, you know, as if that Insoki goes and Charles Catalago, so they've obviously got that money. I don't want to I don't want to bash Insoki too much, but I've never really felt he's that good. Um, I think he's decent. I don't. He had some decent performances at the back end of last season, but for twelve million, they could easily buy two central defenders that will be as good, in my opinion. I think they can easily use that money there. They can get replacement for him if they want to, or they could play in Bamba central centre back. They could play Otasawi, who played in the Super Cup, and he looked pretty pretty all right in that position. I think they could do with getting Buchanan back on the left hand side. I liked kind of the balance they had with him and Scovolson, um, so that could be important. But yeah, I think some kind of clarity, like with Charles de Ketelaar finally going, if Nsoki goes, it's it's more clarity for them being like, right, this is kind of who we've got, and we all know what's going to happen. They may struggle first bit of the season, but come January extended World Cup break and all that sort of stuff, they'll they'll go on a run and they'll probably be absolutely fine. But it is more of a concern for the Champions League. Let's move on to the complete opposite end of Champions League football. As far away probably as from Champions League football as you could possibly get at the moment was the match in Salang at the Stade du Palais between Salang and Courtreich. And fair play if you watch this one. I mean, <laughs> I, don't think it, I don't think it was a boring game. I just think the standard of football was so bad, it made it kind of entertaining. I, I think, I, I don't want to say it too early, but I think this was Sarang's best chance of getting three points. Probably the best chance they're going to get for the entire season. Like, Courtaik were pretty terrible from the start of this game. They gave away a penalty within, I can't remember how far into the game it was. It was, what was it, 20 minutes in? Uh, Simon Ellisor absolutely did uh, desolate this new signing on loan from Antwerp for Quartelite. A couple of step-overs around him. How the referee doesn't give it straight away, I don't know. It was just, it was such an obvious penalty. And you think, right, this is a great chance for Simon Ellisor. He looked a little bit lively to start the game. You're like, he. we spoke about him in the preseason preview about who's going to score the goals. Are they going to get the goals out of this man? He gets the penalty and he misses it. Uh, Illich makes the save. And at that point, you're like, okay, surely Kortaik, with their just lumping it aimlessly, at some point going to get a chance here because they were literally just lumping the ball to uh, Habib Gay up front. They were looking for Mbayo on the left-hand side, but the ball's just going out of play. Uh, De Bruyne did 
literally nothing in midfield. He got substituted at half-time. I completely forgot he was even playing. They were just pretty woeful. And then Ben Chabe in on the 26th minutes, gets himself sent off. Just a pretty a stupid, stupid tackle on uh, Daniel Apare. It was really pointless. And Apare, off the back of that, picked up an injury and had to go off as well. So that's a real shame for him and Salang. But it was a really stupid tackle from him. Just It was in the middle of nowhere on the pitch, basically. He gets a straight red. And again, you're like, right, Salang, this is your chance. Like, 10-man quarter-like playing terrible football. This is the time. They ended up with 55% possession, 19 shots on goal. Only five of them were on target. And that pretty much sums it up. They could just not put the ball in the back of the net. Completely lacked any potency up front. I thought their best player in the game was uh, uh the centre-back, was their best player. Um, he actually got himself sent off in this game as well, just to sum it all up. But he was, I thought I was really impressed with him at the back. I thought he dealt with Gay really, really well and the other strikers. However, Kortzweig did actually win this game. Uh, set piece, falls to Watanabe, he stabs it in in the 58th minute, and that's pretty much how it ends. Elisor had a really good chance to get his goal again, but he misses it. Players were just absolutely launching shots from 40 yards out for Sarang, which was just completely bizarre. I think what load of Waffle put up a picture where one of the shots comes in and it's like the angles from behind the goal, but the ball is where kind of the time is on the screen. That's how far off it is from going in. It probably went out of the stadium. It was that bad. And I don't know, guys, I feel like I don't want to speak too early, but I feel like I just can't see Sarang actually winning a game. Like if they can't win this one with all the chances against such a poor court-like side, when are they going to win a game? Because there's just nothing in that team that says that, that there's no goal scorers in that team. You just look at the, the team and you think if they had Mikatadze and Maziz from last year, they probably would win that game. And, and to kind of like make it even worse, those two lined up for Mets in a 3-0 win in, in the second division of France and were involved in goals for that side. So they're definitely not coming back. We kind of can't, we've, you kind of, they've said it wasn't going to happen, but they also kind of, it didn't look like they were going to come last year, especially Mkhitaryan, but then he did turn up near the end of the transfer window, but they're definitely not coming this year. And I think I wanted to hope that, Although we all presume they were going to finish bottom, that they'd at least be able to put up a fight. And I think this performance, I know second game in, kind of summed up why everyone is pretty confident that they're definitely going to go straight down at bottom place. Well, fair play to anybody who watched all of this game because it was it was an absolute eyesore. My eyes were were bleeding by the end of it, despite despite the drama. You know, there being two red cards and a missed penalty. But yeah, I mean, the, the entire game was just you know lack quality, both sides lacking composure, um, all of those worries about Sarang kind of coming to to fruition at the moment. And you know, you're right, Ben. I mean, these are the games that Sarang uh, are going to have to win if they're going to even stand a chance. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about that at all, and they kind of confirmed that actually, arguably, our worries, you know, are, are not are not misfounded at all on the basis of that. They just, you know, lacking composure and an inability to uh, make make the right decision at kind of key moments. Katrike also have had a really bad start, um, despite having a decent squad, and something to me is just not right there. I, I don't know what it is at the moment, but they um 
they were they were just as poor. I felt, you know, I mean, they they, they obviously edged this game really, getting a little bit of luck more than anything else. But you know, something doesn't seem right. The body language doesn't look good at all. And you know, at, at the moment, something needs to happen with them as well. I think there are players in that squad who probably should be getting a look in who aren't at the moment. So I'm not sure what uh, Karim Belhazin's uh, thinking with some of his team selections. He's he's tinkering a little bit, I think. But they're um, yeah, they've they've got plenty of worries at the moment of their own. Definitely a big worry for Kojak. Despite grabbing their first win in uh, after seven defeats in a row combined with last season, so I guess there is a part of the explanation maybe why they are not having uh, yeah the best of times as well, not the best of confidence as, as well. Yeah, Sarai got an XG of 2.84, so actually for a game that, that you have to scratch your eyes out, that's not so bad. But um, <laughs> but yeah, of course, it came from a lot of shots which were not so effective, uh, which is not so useful. And of course, a penalty helps as well. And uh, yeah, two shots on the post. If you don't win the game with all these circumstances in your favor, uh, yeah, you already mentioned them. Uh, penalty man uh, having more a uh, man more from for power it's difficult to see them winning a game although despite these factors in the hand indeed like i mentioned they, they uh hit the post twice as well so that part of luck that they seem to need a bit more even uh did not go their way uh Chibuawa had a really good strike from 40 yards out or so <laughs> which was funny but and was like well this is going out definitely but Actually, it was a good strike. It would have gone in goal if uh, was it wasn't uh, if it wasn't for Illich. But of course, it says a lot if that's already one of the few, few shots on target as well. Finally, a win for Kortek, but that's also the only thing they can take away of this. Uh, of this, uh, I think, because their performance was, yeah, their performance was arguably worse than Serres. They did manage to get a point with a scrappy goal from a set piece. Actually, I'm more worried for them than I was before the season, and not. I think out of the three of us, I was already the most worried for them. Yeah. And so far, this is not yeah improving that image. Yeah, I think Bellasine looked like a man under pressure on the sidelines, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. He, lo- he looked very irritable, actually. And I, I don't know what that's an indication of, but whatever it is, it isn't. It certainly isn't good, that's for sure. And I know some of the Kertraik fans are starting to turn. There are, you know, there are rumblings. Uh, the club have come out and said, you know, it's too early to, to, to kind of panic and, you know, we're going to stick with stick with plan A at the moment. But, you know, the, there are things turning there that, that, are, that are not good, regardless of which way you look at it. I just want to give a quick shout out to the Sarang fan who was singing incessantly into a megaphone throughout the entire game. <laughs> Fair play to that guy, whoever he is, because the football he's having to watch at the moment, eh, home or away, is going to be really, really difficult for him all season. So if he can bring that enthusiasm to the Stade de Paris every second week, then you know at least somebody down in, in Liège and Saran <laughs> colours is, eh, is going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, he got to see two debutants, Silla and uh, Abanda, literally straight into the team after signing during the week. I mean, that just kind of sums up their situation. It's good to see Fire Selemani get back on the pitch as well for Kortaik. I mean, so many rumours flying around. I did not expect to see him playing for Kortaik again, but clearly a move hasn't materialised yet. Um, I wonder if it's kind of, he realised he needs to get back in the uh, in the shot window, so to speak, but we'll see how that develops. But at least if he's playing, there's a little bit more excitement for Kortaik fans. But I think, yeah, Belichine is definitely on borrowed time, judging by that performance. 
Let's go to the final game of the weekend. Another one that only finished 1-0, but I don't know about you guys, I quite enjoyed this one. It was Antwerp hosting Zilta Valagem, uh, finished 1-0 to Antwerp. However, both sides had so many chances. I mean, Zilta Valagem were playing like a really open attacking kind of style, which obviously puts them under so much pressure. Um, and defensively, you're just like, when are you just were kind of waiting for Antwerp to score. Uh, Balikwisha had a ton of chances in this game. Miyoshi had a couple of early shots as well. Like Bossett was very busy and, and played a pretty decent game, I thought. They were trying to play out from the back. Uh, it's clearly something Mbaile wants them to do. Put them under a ton of pressure, though, in this game. Um, they looked a lot better when they just tried to hit Antwerp on the counter-attack, especially with Dompe. Like, Dompe was getting them up the field quite a bit, um, getting them into good positions. Unfortunately for them, they did go behind when Balikwisha scored in the 68th minute. This was after he completely missed one of the easiest chances I've ever seen. Uh, Mikkel Fry put it on an absolute plate for him at the back post and he just completely fluffed it. I think it was then eventually given offside to save his blushes, but... That, I think I messaged you guys both. I was like, that is, if it wasn't offside, going down as an early contender for miss of the season because it was absolutely woeful. Sultan's kind of chance of getting back into the game was pretty much scuppered in the 75th minute when uh, Novatus Dismas, the youngster, the Tanzanian uh, central midfielder, got his second yellow card of the game and was sent off. Um, they kept pushing. I thought they didn't, I don't think they played badly. I think defensively they were a little bit all over the place, which is kind of what you expect from them. I did quite like the look of Tambadu. I liked his kind of aggressive defensive attitude, kind of flying into tackles and doing all of that. But then alongside him, you need a little bit more of a like subtlety um, to kind of counteract that craziness that he was bringing to the game. But Antwerp looked pretty relieved with that win. Not a convincing performance again, but if they'd taken more of their chances, this could easily have been a three 0 win uh, for the great old. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a case of um, you know a, a steady positive start for for Antwerp. Actually, we know that you know Mark van Bommel's actually started quite well at most of the clubs he's been at. What's happened later, obviously, is a different story. But he does tend to start quite well, and you know their their start's been as 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 good as they can hope for. Obviously, there's the ongoing sort of rotational issue around Frey and and, and Janssen, and it'll be interesting to see kind of you know whether somebody else comes in or what they do with that longer term but I'm not sure the constant rotation of these two is necessarily the answer I think they're going to need to, to be able to bury that a little bit as well but yeah I mean they'll be delighted with the start that they've they, they've had and obviously they, they've still got you know Europe to play for which we'll, we'll talk about shortly Zalta on the other hand I think I think we're starting to see some you know quite positive early signs of M. Bailey starting to exert his influence that side is, is kind of gradually being changed and remoulded in to, into the new coach's uh, template, I think. And the, the initial indications are reasonably positive. It's too early to say too much about it at the moment, but they're looking generally more solid to me. And, you know, they just, they just something feels a bit more positive about them. Nice to see Sangari playing. Um, he's somebody we spoke about on our pre-season uh, preview. Mamadou Sangari, who's obviously on loan from Red Bull Salzburg. And, and it'll be interested to see how he does over the course of the season, because I think he's quite, quite an exciting one to kind of keep an eye out for. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we've been very negative about Zalta for a long time, I think, all three of us. And it's just really quite interesting to see, you know, a new coach come in who's a, obviously a club 
bike on there, slowly starting to put his stamp on it and just change the squad. And, and yeah, it's going to be one of the stories of the season in a way, just to see how they, they develop over the course of the season, I think. Um, because the initial signs are, are reasonably positive so far. I mean, obviously, they've, you know, one, one win and one defeat um, doesn't tell us too much at the moment. But, you know, from what we've seen of, of both the games so far, I think there are there are plenty of reasons for uh, for Zulta to, to feel optimistic and certainly a lot more optimistic than than they had a right to be going into the, the start of the season. Yeah, I also saw the fans of Zulta on social media, despite the loss being... Happy to see what their team was trying to do, um, and and there was something that they that they really could enjoy a bit more of their own playing style after the past two seasons where they were not an easy watch at all the, at all times. Yeah, so also for me, I think you mentioned it as well. Stuagem was better than we all anticipated uh, before the season, I think, which is good. There, sure, a few of the new signings seem to be. Um, fitting in the slotting into the squad really easily and finding their way. Also, they got the seventh and final red card of this weekend to finish it off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, it's, it's not a good thing, but it, 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 it has to do with Zultwagen. And about Antwerp, well, they already played four games now, of course, with the European games uh, as well. Defensively, uh, they didn't concede yet, so that's a good sign. Although, indeed, in this game, it could have easily happened as well. Um, like maybe if Ben says that it could have easily been a 3-0, it could have, but it also could have been a, I don't know, yeah, Antwerp deserved to win with a 3-2 or so, or 3-1. But on the other hand, uh, yeah, so four games in and also four goals scored, that is a bit on the low side. It is a way, an Arsenal way maybe to win a championship, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah it, they, they definitely miss something somewhere so like it, it's good for them that they're, they're winning these games or in in the, in the case of the conference league that they at least go through um also i realize i miscalculated i just miscounted the the balikwisha uh, late winner against the Gita. so it's five goals uh in four games still not impressive against the opponent that opponents that they had let me phrase it like that then but of course if you sure it up at the back like that um yeah that's uh it can be enough, and that so and, and I'm sure they will be gladly taking these wins and hoping they will yeah improve their 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 game, which was already better than last week. It was an easier watch than last week, uh, I think. Um, so maybe early signs of a of a good start for uh, Antwerp, together with Leuven, the, the only team that has the maximum of the points after two games uh, still, and uh, at the same time, well, also the two teams that have clean sheets so far. I mean, as long as you stay in games with that kind of keeping clean sheets and stuff, that always makes it better. And they face each other next week. So someone's 100% record's going to go. Um, who'd have thought third week in Antwerp-Leuven would be a battle of the top sides? Um, <laughs> not me, that's for sure. Back to Zorta just quickly. They've also picked up uh, attacking midfielder Danny Ramirez uh, comes in from Lech Poznan, which looks like a decent signing. Obviously, he's won the league with Lech Poznan, who've kind of usurped Legia um, Warsaw in terms of the best team in Poland. It's kind of them and Rakov and a couple of others. So definitely a nice player to bring in, kind of a little bit more of an attacking attacking midfielder. Um, so it's kind of see what he does. But yeah, I've agreed about Sengale. He's been really interesting to watch. I guess my only worry about kind of Antwerp and not scoring goals is that there's so much attacking talent in that team. We want to see it kind of brought to the fore and being used a lot more but maybe with Victor Fisher kind of back to fitness and hopefully free of injuries for a little bit 
obviously it looks like Benson's off to Burnley, so that kind of leaves that bringing in Fisher back. Miyoshi started the season pretty well. I thought I thought he was quite lively against Odorad again. Just needs to have a little bit better kind of finishing, but he looks pretty decent. So good start for them. They'll obviously want to build on that under Mark van Bommel. Scott, you mentioned we'd talk about European stuff, so let's get to that now. Unfortunately, at the kind of the time this will go out, Rangers and Union will have already played each other. Um, so already kind of by the time you listen to this, you will know kind of what has happened um, at the Denderleaf in the first game. However, looking at kind of beyond that, if they do manage to get through, which we're really hoping they do, it's going to be a really tough game against Rangers. We know how good Rangers have been in European football, especially over the last couple of seasons. It's going to be very difficult for Union, but fingers crossed they can pull it off. They then face up against Monaco or PSV. Uh, Monaco's manager we also obviously know very well from his time at Club Bruges, uh, Philippe Clermont. Or PSV, obviously, over in Holland and the Netherlands, sorry. So we obviously want a Belgian side to get one up over them. Pretty tough kind of second draw for Union. If they do get past Rangers, it seems like it just gets just as tough. Let's look at elsewhere as well. Antwerp, they got through, obviously, against Zita. They face Lillestrom of Norway, which is by no means an easy game. Uh, Lillestrom have had a really good season in the uh, Elisa Selian and we had a good season last year obviously to get back into European football pretty sure they'd just been promoted as well so they went kind of did a union and got straight into European football on the back of a promotion so by no means is that a foregone conclusion and definitely a sticky tie for Antwerp if they do manage to get through that they either play another kind of Nordic team in Breidablik uh, of Iceland or Istanbul Bashakur um, obviously Istanbul being the, the more difficult of those two sides. But, I mean, if Breidablik can get through against Istanbul, you'd have to say they're probably a tricky side as well. Anderlecht face up against Pied, Pied of Estonia. You'd imagine they're going to be fine in that one and get through, but you never know. Um, I think Pied of the side, with many may remember, former Liverpool defender Ragnar Klavan went back to Estonia to play for his home side, Pied. So... They've got a little bit of experience in there, but you'd expect Anderlecht, despite their performances at the moment, to get through. If they do, they'll either play Krups of Finland or Young Boys of Bern in Switzerland. That's a tricky tie. Young Boys, by no means a bad side. Almost one of the, one of the premier sides in Swiss football at the moment with the, the kind of decline of Basel. So, yeah, that I feel like that's a really tricky one, guys. We'll get to that. And then Ghent, they will face Ammonia Nicosia for the Europa League qualification. Again, I'd expect them to get through on that. They did pretty well against Cypriot opposition last season. But it's Ghent and qualification rounds. We know what that means. They always make it more difficult for them than it needs to be. Joris, I'm going to go to you first on this one because I always seem to go to Scott first on things. So we'll let you have the first shout. Which of those ties do you feel are more intriguing in the sense of like the, the matchups and who are you kind of more worried for looking ahead? For both Antwerp and Anderlecht, Union, they will have a tough time against Rangers and and then again against... It would be really cool if they would uh, pass that because either one of these other match- matchups has some history in it. Uh, so th- that would be a, a yeah just a cool uh, matchup. Uh, but I don't expect them to go through after two or four games uh, to the Champions League. But at least they, they, they will fall back into the Europa League group stages. So I'm not really worried about that. Gent against Nicosia, Ammonia Nicosia. Yeah, we, we should know them as well still from uh, last year where they almost knocked Antwerp out in the in the qualifiers. So, uh, yeah, I, they are warranted there, definitely, Gent. Um, but 
normally you would expect that, that they would not have an issue with going through there. So I think in the Europa League, we there, there should be some uh, some Belgian teams in the Conference League. For Antwerp, I'm more worried about Lillestrøm than... Well, it, it is a tough one, though. I'm, I'm worried about Lillestrøm already, and then... If it's Istanbul as well, there's a there's also a lot of players with Belgian, especially Anderlecht, links there. Um, so also definitely not an easy one uh, to get past. Um, but okay, kind of don't really want to think about that yet. Uh, that's because this is all hypothetical speculation. In just uh, I, I think they will pass again. Hope they will pass against Lillestrøm. And then you can ask me the question again. Same with Anderlecht. I think they should be fine with, with Pfizer um, normally. Uh, but then against most likely the young boys, that's 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 going to be a tough one. But yeah. Again, ask me again in a few weeks. But it, they did start their season in Switzerland quite uh, quite well as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think Union, who you know, as Ben was saying, we we will know the result of this by the time you know you guys are are listening to this. But I I hope Union go out there and play the sort of football we know they can play, be positive and fearless as they've been for at least the last couple of years now, and and have a right good go because you know they have no reason to to fear anything. You know they've they, they've earned the right to play on this stage, so. Um, go out, go out, and enjoy it, and hopefully have um, have something to to take to Ibrox. Antwerp worry me slightly. I think that's a tricky tie against Lillestrøm, and they're going to have to they're going to have to play quite well to get through that. I think so. I do have a slight concern about them. That that one very much could go either way. Equally, I do have a concern about Anderlecht, but that's only on the basis of the fact they're not playing particularly well at the moment. So although I would certainly expect them to get past Pied, I, I, I worry just a little bit about whether they're going to be made the group stages without without some improvement because, you know, just these these ties are absolutely not easy and Pied did rest um, a good chunk of their, their, their senior squad recently so they're, they're definitely taking this tie really really seriously. Ghent on the other hand that's another one that, that's trickier than it seems. What we do know for definite is that uh, Ammonia will not have Didier Lamkelze in his side he's decided to pull the plug on on a move there at the last minute, hoping now to to go to um, Ferenc Varos in, in Hungary. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But you know they managed to pull through kind of last year and get into the uh, the group stages. So hopefully they can they, they they can do the same as well. So good luck to to all the Belgian sides. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. We'll have a little bit more. European, European football to watch. That probably wraps it up for this episode. As always, guys, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute delight. See you soon. Pleasure. Fantastic. And yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. And remember, you can always get in touch with us um, via our Twitter account. We are open to any questions, queries, feedback, or anything like that. And yeah. We'll see you very soon next week on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.